14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that were hot, cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, and open the door, I will come into I will come into him, and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat with my down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. This is the last letter. Laodicea, it says there that the rich and increased was good. It was an incredibly, incredibly wealthy city. And they had hot springs there. And there's the springs that they had there, the water was just lukewarm. Just lukewarm. And the hot springs. And there was also a school of medicine there. That developed a remedy for weak eyes. And they say this place was such a wealthy, wealthy place that they had three great theaters there where people would put on plays. They had a big stadium and they even had a gymnasium that had hot baths in it. Over in Bath, England, they call it Bath because of the Romans went in there and they had hot baths there. Hot water run into them. And they had a big gymnasium there. And that's how Bath, England was called Bath. Because of the... And it was still there. Money was still laying around down there where they left it. And it was hot springs like that that the Romans had found and built built this big hot bath that they could get in. Take hot baths. And that's what they had here in Laodicea. And they were so wealthy that one time they had an earthquake partly destroyed the city and they were so wealthy that they did not take any money from the government but rebuilt it themselves out of their own pockets. Then you know I showed you out of Colossians chapter 4 that Paul was one of the responsible ones for establishing this church at Laodicea. And he wrote a letter to the church at Laodicea and said now read this at Laodicea and send it to the other churches also. But now I want you to notice first of all how our Lord describes himself to the Laodiceans. He describes himself to every church differently. And here he describes himself to this local congregation. He says, he said these things. These saith the Amen. We all know what Amen means. 
That means it's so. Let it be so. It's final. We say amen and you'll find people say amen at the end of some of these books. They'll say amen. And that means that's steady. It's final. It's true. We agree with it. And Christ is the amen. In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said he's the yay, 2 Corinthians, he's the yea and amen of all the promises of God. He's the yea and amen of all the purposes of God. And then it not only says that he's the amen, he's the final saying. That's what it says. I'm the final saying. When I say amen, that's it. That's it. We say amen at the end of a prayer. Because it's final. We're through. And that's what he means here. I'm the amen. I'm the final word from God. Final word. True word from God. Then look what else he says about himself. The faithful and true witness. There's never... There's a lot of people that tell the truth. A lot of people that do go to great lengths to be honest. But our Lord Jesus Christ says He's faithful and He is true. No one is as faithful as the Lord Jesus Christ. No one is as true as the Lord Jesus Christ. He said He was the faithful and true witness. And when He came to this world, He was faithful to His Father. He is faithful to the Scriptures. He was faithful to His people. And He'll always be faithful to us. He said, I'll never, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. And when I, we sang that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. We don't have, you know, Paul said, I'm, I'm, Though I was crucified with Christ, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by His faith. His faithfulness. If we live by our faith, it wouldn't amount to nothing. But I don't live by my faith. I live by Christ. I've got, I, though I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm a believer, but yet I've still got lots of unbelief in me. And here's the thing about it. It's Christ's faithfulness that saves us. Don't never forget that. It's His faithfulness to us. And it's His faithfulness. He read that tonight. It said, I and my Father are one. And if you don't believe me for what I say, look at the works that I did. Look at what I did. And so I tell you what, He's the faithful and He's the true witness. John himself said when he got to the end of John's Gospel, he said, He that witnessed to these things is witnessing His true it's true. You know it's true. And I tell you what, he, I, when he says he's the faithful and true witness, that means he only tells what he sees and only tells what he knows. And if you see everything, you're faithful and true. If you know everything, you're faithful and true. And if he has to tell you how sorry you are, he's faithful in doing that. <laughs> And if He's faithful in telling you what He's done for you, He's faithful in that. And everything He says is true. We can take Him at His word. You can't take me at my word, but you can sure take Him at His. He's the faithful, and that's how He describes Himself. He can be trusted. He can be believed. And oh my... 
He's faithful and true witness for His people. He's a faithful and true witness for His people before God His Father. He's a faithful and true witness before all of our enemies. And I tell you what, He's a faithful and true witness when He talks to these people right here and tells them the truth about themselves. And then it says He's the beginning of the creation of God. What in the world does that mean? That means that God, that Christ is the one who began creation. The scriptures tells us so plainly that all things that was made was made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And over in Colossians chapter 1 it says this, that by him were all things and for him are all things. And Everything that was created, He created it. And everything that's upheld in this world, He upholds it. And everything that exists is because of Him and it consists and upheld by Him and His precious Word. I mean, this creation, this creation's His. And I'll tell you something else, not only is His creation His, but the new creation. If you've got a new heart, if you got a new mind, if you got a new will, if you got a new nature, if you got a new relationship with God, Christ made that happen. Ain't that right? Not only is he this creation, but he's the he's the author of this new creation. That new nature we got, that new heart we got, that spiritual life we got, that new birth we got. All of those things, Christ is the author of them. He's the author of them. And then look what he says. Now he gives the subject to this letter. He says there now in verse 15. He said, I know your works. I know your works. And look what he says about them. That you're neither cold or hot. Cold or hot. I would, I would that you were cold or hot. You're neither one. You're just lukewarm is what he's telling them. And that's a heavy, heavy charge against the Laodiceans. And our Lord knew them. And he just got through saying he's a faithful and true witness. So he's witnessing faithfully and true to these people. He knew these people better than they knew themselves. He says you're neither hot or you're neither cold. I want you to be either hot or I want you to be either cold. But you're neither one of them. And what he's saying is you're lukewarm. And the difference, you know, when those disciples on the Damascus Road, Damascus Road were walking with the Lord, with the Lord Jesus Christ, and He got to their house, and He revealed Himself to us, you know what they said? Did not our hearts burn within us? <laughs> you see, I, that's the difference between the hot and cold. You know, Christ causes our hearts to burn within us. He causes something to go on inside of us. But these people were not that way. They were in the worst, worst possible condition. They were lukewarm. They were indifferent. That's what our Lord said. You're neither cold or hot. Just lukewarm. You're totally indifferent. Matthew Henry. I know everybody here knows something about Matthew Henry. Got six volumes of a, of a commentary. Really, really good. 
But Matthew Henry said, if religion is a real thing, it's the most excellent thing. Therefore, we should be in earnest in it. If it is not the real thing, it's the vilest imposture, and we should be earnest against it. If religion is worth anything, it's worth everything. And indifference here is inexcusable. And our Lord said, you're either for me or either you're against me. And there's no middle ground. And that's what he said to these people. You're neither hot or you're neither cold. You're just lukewarm. And then look what he says here. In verse 16. So then. So then. Since this is the condition you're in. If this is the miserable shape you're in. So then. Because you're lukewarm. Just lukewarm. You're neither cold nor hot. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. The feeling that our Lord Jesus has here is not found of him anywhere else in the Bible. Not anywhere else in the Bible to what he describes himself and his relation to this congregation. It doesn't say that I'm grieved with them. It doesn't say I'm angry with them. It doesn't say I'm disgusted with them. It says they make me sick. That word nauseous is the same word for vomit. He said I'll spew you out of my mouth. Huh? You're fence straddlers. He said you make me sick. You cause me, I want to spew you out of my mouth. I want to vomit you out of my mouth. And that's no place else would it say anything about our Lord. Nowhere else did he describe himself that way. He knows that their entire profession, their entire religion is a sham. It's a sham. It's a pretense. So much hypocrisy among them. But he's just the opposite. He's the amen. He's the faithful and true witness. But there's nothing faithful or true about these people. Nothing worthy to come in the matter. Nothing at all. And what is the cause of this indifference? What's the cause of this inconsistency? Self-conceit. Self-delusion. Self-conceit and self-delusion. You know, it says they didn't have any problems. That was their whole problem. They had no problems. There was not a thing in the world wrong with them. Not a thing in the world wrong with them. They had high thoughts of themselves. And oh, what a difference that they thought of themselves and what our Lord Jesus Christ says about them. Look what it says. They based, look, at, look how they describe themselves. I told you this was a very, very wealthy, wealthy city. They said this, because thou sayest, I'm rich. I'm rich. And they were. They were very wealthy. Very wealthy. I'm rich. And look what it says. And I'm getting richer. I'm getting more and more goods. I'm not only rich, but I'm getting richer. (laughs) And look what it says. And look here. And have need of nothing. Anybody here in that condition? 
I have need of nothing. Every one of us comes here with our mouth open like a bird and our hands stuck out. Huh? With a cry in our hearts and a cry in our mouth, Lord, give. We can't give you anything, but Lord, we sure can take from what you give us. And I'll tell you what, they said, oh, we're rich. We're rich. Getting richer. Have need of nothing. Oh, they supposed that gain was godliness. David wasn't like that. You know what David said? He said, oh, Lord, I'm poor. And I'm needy. I'm poor. And I'm needy. Huh? Paul said this. He said, I want to win Christ. These folks didn't need nothing. I want to be found in Christ. These folks didn't need nothing. I want to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. I want everything before I knew Christ to count but done. I want to know Christ. These folks said, we don't need nothing. That they're not like that publican that had Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, and that publican, you know, he went over there and he couldn't even lift his eyes to heaven, and he says, smote his breath and said, "Oh God, be merciful to me, the sinner." These folks said, "We don't need nothing. Our pockets are full. Our coffers are full." It's like that rich fool. Oh my, he had so much stuff one year, his crops were so much, and he made so much. He said, listen, he had a whole crew said, go tear down all my barns. Tear them down. And build me great biggins. I needed to put all my stuff in. He got home that night and leaned back in his lazy boy. Propped up his feet and said, Oh, soul, you got it made. Take your ease now. And God said, You fool. I'm requiring you tonight. Huh? These people said, We're rich. And we're getting richer. We're getting richer. Oh my. And have need of nothing. Oh God. Don't let us flatter ourselves. Don't let us deceive ourselves as these people did. And look what he says. And this is how our Lord describes them. He said this is what they say about themselves. This is what they thought of themselves. But this is what Christ knew about them. The faithful and true witness. Knowest thou not? Here's the first thing he said. He said, here's how you really, really are. You're wretched. You're so wretched. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. People look at somebody and say, what a wretch. A wretch is somebody that ain't got nothing. Old raggedy clothes on. Dirty and filthy. Hair a mess. Stinking, rotten, corrupt. Oh, look how wretched they are. 
That's what grace comes to save. But our Lord says, you know, you say you're rich, but I'm telling you what, you're wretched. You're wretched. Then look what else he said about them. Not only are we wretched, but you're miserable. Who are you miserable in front of? In front of me. In my eyes. They wasn't miserable in their own eyes. He said, you're miserable in my eyes. And that word miserable is the same word as to be pitied. Pitiful. Pitiable. Who's to be more pitied than someone who imagines themselves to be a fine, fine, fine Christian? Yet Christ Himself says, I'm so sick of you, I could spew you out of my mouth. Uh, oh my. Then he says, and then, then not only you're wretched and miserable, but you're poor. Well, they just got through saying we're rich, getting richer. He said, but you're really poor. You're poor. You're poor where it counts. They had no food for the souls. They had no covering for their nakedness. They had no shoes for their feet. They were in debt to the justice of God and didn't have a farthing to pay off their debt. Joe was praying for dinner today and he said, Lord, I thank you for the roof over our head, clothes on our back, and shoes on our feet. When I was a young boy down in North Carolina, living with this person, that person, the other person, there was many a time, and I, I don't, and, I said, and I'm not, don't you, there was lots and lots of times that I cut out cardboard and milk cartons and put them in the bottom of my shoes to keep my socks from being on the ground when I was a boy. And stick them in the holes in the bottom of my shoes. And had to go to school like that. So I know what it means, Joe, and I'm thankful for the shoes on my feet. I thank God I don't have no holes in them now. Huh? Yeah. I, in fact, I got the best shoes on that you can have on. Shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. <laughs> I got on gospel shoes. <laughs> gospel shoes. Well, that's the best shoes God put them on. When He puts them on. <laughs> oh, bless His holy name. But He said, oh my. And then He said, not only you're poor, but listen to hear what else He says about it. He said, they're blind. You're blind. You know how blind they were? They were so blind that they couldn't even see their own condition. They couldn't see the way that they were supposed to go. A blind man don't know the way he's supposed to go. They didn't see their danger. They could have walked off of a cliff and never known that the cliff was there. They couldn't see Christ. They couldn't see God. They couldn't see death. They couldn't see eternity. They couldn't see their need. And our Lord said, if the light in you be darkness, how great is that darkness. And then look what else He says about them. And you're naked. Oh, you're naked. You're naked. 
And you know, he says, you don't have no clothes on. And you know where there's naked at? The same place Adam was. Naked before God. And that's where it counts. They had no justification. They had no sanctification. They had no covering. Christ said this about them. And then our Lord, He gives them counsel. Look what He says in verse 6. I counsel thee. The boy went to, ain't he the most wonderful counselor there is? Uh, we go to him for counsel. We go to his word for counsel. And he's called the wonderful counselor. And our Lord gives him counsel. I counsel thee to buy of me gold. You got money? Said, I want you to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Huh? That they may be rich. Gold tried in the fire. That you may be rich. And white raiment. That you may be clothed. That the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve. That you won't be blind anymore. That you may see. Now how in the world does he say. Buy. Buy me. Buy me. Salvation, white garments to cover their nakedness, eye salve to put on their eyes so they can see. Huh? And what he's telling them is give up. Give up yourself. Give up your wisdom. Give up your give up everything. And you know when you realize you ain't got nothing, that's when you can have something. And let me show you. I, I read this back in the study tonight. Look in Isaiah fifty five. Can Isaiah 55? You know, these little old country stores that used to be around, used to be able to go say, well, put that, said, I need to charge that today. Now, you can't go to Kroger's and say, put that on my account. <laughs> but you used to be able to go to these little old country stores and, you know, and say, I, you know, I... I Listen, I'm running a little short this this week, and I need to buy this, need to buy that, and everything. Well, I'll just make you a ticket, you know, make you a ticket. You go in to last the month, you pay off you pay off your debt, you know. Well, when you ain't got nothing to pay when the end of the week comes, they gonna quit letting you have anything. But our Lord Jesus Christ, He's got everything. And when you ain't got nothing, that's when you'll go to Him. Uh, Look what He said here in Isaiah 55. This is God's marketplace. Look what a wonderful marketplace. Now listen, this is what our Lord's Lord's saying. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, look at the next line, come ye by and eat. Now He said you ain't got no money. But yet he says, come and buy and eat. Yea, come up not only buy and eat, but get you some, buy some wine, buy some milk. Without money and without price. How can you buy when you ain't got no money? And he says, you can get it without money and without price. And he goes on to say, now you're laboring in this world. And he said, you're spending your money for that which is really not bread. Never satisfies you. And you labor for that which never satisfies your heart or your soul. He said, I'm going to tell you what you do. Listen, listen, listen to me. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. 
Here it is. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David. Oh my. Huh? That's how he done it. That's how he done it. He said, I counsel thee. Said I'd get gold, and I tell you, our faith is as gold, more precious than gold, tried with fire. And you know you can't buy salvation. You know you can't buy the righteousness of Christ. And you know you ain't got any eyesight. So where in the world are you gonna get this at? And the Lord Jesus Christ, He said, I'll do it. And look what He says in verse nineteen. And now to you know, give up your wisdom. Give up your Really, only the naked is the only one going to be clothed. Only the blind is the only one going to be made to see. And he said, as many as I love. As many as I love. I wonder how many in that place he loved. But I do know that. He said, as many as I love. He said, I rebuke them. Not only do I rebuke them, but I chasten them. I am gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach them, I'm gonna instruct them, I'm gonna bring them to such a state of mind that they'll be glad to learn what I've got to say. Huh? You know, when, 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 chastening never has to do with punishment. Now I want you to understand that when our Lord says that He chastens, those He loves, He chastens. And he chastens his people. He doesn't, you know, if you're a bastard, you're not getting no chastening. But chastening means that he takes a person and, and, you know, there's no punishment involved. When we whipped our children, we was whipping them for something they done. Now, we've already been punished in the Lord Jesus Christ. Punished for our sins. Punished for our iniquities. Our transgressions are gone. We've forgive, been forgiven of every sin. So when it says He chastens us, what it means is, is He deals with us as we, as we, with a child, and as a child, or as a son, and He puts the pressure on us, and He brings us to a place. And thank God He does this for us. When we get high-minded... When we get to grumbling and complaining and murmuring, you know what he'll do? He'll pull a rug out from under you and he'll turn the heavens to brown. All he's got to do to chasten you is shut you off for about a week or two weeks and let you come hear the gospel and you don't hear nothing, you don't feel nothing, you don't see nothing, you can't pray, you can't read, you can't do anything. And next thing you know, said, Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, oh what am I going to do? I can't do When you go, oh... You'll start, you'll start laying on your bed at night. Turn this way and that way. Lord, hear me. Oh, Lord, what's going on here? You'll just toss and turn all night until... And then one of these days, and you'll go to service, and you'll hear His voice, and the tears will start coming out of your eyes. Because, oh, he's, He spoke to me again. That's all He's got to do to chasten us. If he got to, your mama used to say all the time, said, He's weaning us off this world. And when he get when when when, he, when we're weaned off this world, and it, this world just gets worse and worse, it goes sicker and sicker to us, don't it? <laughs> he's going to wean us. And he said, "As many as I love, as many as I love." 
I rebuke them. I rebuke them. I've told you this story before. Brother Henry Mahan got all over me a couple of times. I mean got all over me. Twice. One time he just raked me over the coals in front of some people. And I, I just said, well, I'm sorry. I'm, you know. And he, he really... And somebody told me said, later, said, boy, boy, what... How did you, what do you think about Brother Henry getting on you like that? I said, well, I said, open rebukes better than secret love. I said, you know why he talked to me like that? It's because he loves me. Because he loves me. And I'll tell you another story. He got on to me real bad one time in front of several people, preachers, and, and kind of took me to task and and it was putting me in my place. I needed to be. I really did. I mean, I had it coming. I, I won't justify myself at all. And I left there and I come home and I just, I wept for about three days. I mean, it really hurt. And then I got a letter from him. And he said, Brother Donnie, he said, I'm so afraid I hurt your feelings. I'm so afraid I hurt your heart. And I want you to forgive me. He said, I, I wouldn't hurt you for nothing. Huh? And that's what our Lord is. He said, "If I love somebody, I'm going to rebuke them." Yeah, I've seen I've seen other people do a lot worse than I did. And Henry just ignore them. But boy, you let me get out of line. <laughs> but he loved me. He really loved me. He loved me. Hmm. And that's what our Lord says. As many as I love, I'm going to rebuke them and I'm going to chase them. Lord, just go ahead and chase them. Oh, at least I know He loves me. <laughs> and then look what He says. I've got to hurry on. And this, this, is, this is one of those things that's going to take some explaining to do. So start, you say, I've got to explain this. <laughs> he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And that's those verses of scriptures that people use to teach Christ trying to get in your heart. That's not what's happening here. He said, Behold, I stand. He's at the door of this congregation. He's at the door of this building. He's at the door of this in this congregation. And he's talking to individuals. You know, he says, If any man hear my voice, I'm on the outside. You don't have need of nothing. I'm on the outside. And I want you to hear my voice. And he speaks to them inside that. He said, If any man hear my voice, hear my voice, and open the door. And this open door, now listen to what I'm telling you. It's just not regeneration. It's not him doing this. Open up and let me in and I'll give you a new heart. No, no. This is not regeneration. This is that rebuking and chastening. And he goes on to say, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door. And say, Lord, please. Nobody else in here may not want you, but I want you. And look what he says. I'll come into him. He said, now listen. He said, you don't have to come out. I'm going to come into you. I'm going to come to where you are. And I'm going to have supper with you. And you're going to sup with me. 
Now what he's talking about here, and, and here, do you know how Christ, Christ took the initiative here, like he always does. It's Christ in sovereign grace standing and knocking and calling. And he said, if any man hears, any man, I don't care who he is, if he hears, he addresses himself to individuals. And opening this door is what it means is a conversion. You're, he says, be zealous therefore and repent. That means that they were converted and they turned from their thoughts of themselves and what they thought that they were and what they said were increased with goods and they turned from that and turned to Christ. And there's one, one new birth but lots of conversions in our lifetime. Lots of conversions. And I tell you what, not regeneration. That's not what taught me here. Because you know the scriptures does never contradict itself. Said he opened Lydia's heart. And he said, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll come into that man. Didn't say I'd come in the door. He said, I'd come into that man. And I'll abide with him and he'll abide with me. And then look what he says here. And to him that overcometh. Oh my. You know how we're overcomers? By the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> and the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I, listen to this now. Will I grant. You know, and, and, and you look at these people here. Somebody in this congregation. In this Laodicean church. If they overcome what they thought of themselves and Christ comes in and sups with them and he they and have fellowship with him and he with them he said him that overcomes this I'll grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcome and sit down with my father in his throne oh my you know, the scripture said we're already seated together with him in heavenly places. <laughs> but he said, you, you've sat down with me in my throne. Sit down with me in my throne. And oh my. And he that hath an ear. Here we, he says this to every one of them. He that hath an ear. God's give you an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit, what the Holy Ghost says unto the churches. You know, these churches, every one of them, except two, had something wrong with them. And they all exist today. They all exist today. And all I'm interested in is us. I'm really, truly interested in us. Are we faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ? Are we faithful to His Word? Are we faithful to His Gospel? Is our candlestick still burning? Is our light still burning? Is our candlestick lit? That's the things we want. Oh Lord, let us be a light. Let our let this congregation be a golden candlestick, and let the, let that candlestick burn bright. Maybe we'd be light bearers of our Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? That's what I'm interested in to us. Us.
I pray God make us like the Philadelphia church, not like Laodicea. Oh, save us from being Laodiceans. Uh, Laodiceans. Jesus Christ is made to me all I need, all I need. He alone is all my plea. He is all I need. Wisdom, righteousness, and Bye.